Welcome to the Kupinger Coal Analyst Chat. I'm your host. My name is Matthias Reinwart. I'm lead advisor and senior analyst at Kupinger Coal Analysts. My guest today is John Tolbert. He is lead analyst and managing director of Kupinger Coal Inc. in the US. John covers a wide range of different research areas between cybersecurity and IAM. Hi, John. Good to have you. Hello, Matthias. Good to talk to you again. Yeah, great to talk to you. You have been working on a leadership compass recently, and it has just been published. And it is about enterprise authentication solutions. Can you give a short uh, definition? What are enterprise authentication solutions? Sure. So enterprise authentication solutions are more discreetly packaged services, usually usually del delivered as services uh, that allows organizations to sort of upgrade their IAM on the side uh, if they need to offer different forms of authentication or stronger and multi-factor authentication, but maybe they're somewhat limited by their IAM solution. Uh, enterprise authentication services are add-ons that generally by definition mean they work with IAM solutions, but allow companies to offer, you know, MFA, risk adaptive authentication, uh, and then be able to integrate that in and, and dump the information that happens there into their security incident and event management. So they get a better picture overall of risk to the enterprise. They can manage the enterprise and enforce more granular authentication policies. So when organizations are looking into enterprise authentication solutions, they want to achieve just what you mentioned. They want to augment their existing IAM solution to improve it, to add additional functionality that they're missing in their original solution. That is one business driver for organizations who are looking into these solutions. What, what else could be reasons for organizations, for companies looking at the market segment that you just covered? Yeah, exactly. People, companies may need to add capabilities and you know there are a couple of other major drivers there so we've been hearing about passwordless authentication you know it's passwords are often a route into data breaches and they're inconvenient for users so many companies you know from a usability perspective want to improve the customer experience and decrease support costs because it is kind of costly to do password resets and then there are regulatory Reasons like PSD2, strong customer authentication. If a company has an IAM system that they don't feel like ripping and replacing, but they need to be able to offer uh, PSD2 SCA compliant multi-factor authentication, then enterprise authentication solutions can be a good add-on for that. Uh, and then, as we all know, over the last year, The pandemic has increased work from home, work remotely, and many businesses are realizing that they need strong multi-factor authentication in front of, you know, enterprise resources, whether they be using those enterprise resources natively in the cloud or coming through VPN. It can help decrease the risks of, uh, you know, remote takeover as well as insider threat and even some kinds of industrial espionage. Right. And um, we have been talking about zero trust architectures just recently a lot. And it is really still a, a hype topic and a, and a buzzword. But strong identity, strong authentication processes are, of course, also a, a, an important building block when it comes to going towards zero trust architectures. Um, so is this also an enabler for organizations moving in that direction? 
Yeah, definitely. Um, it allows you to, again, enforce more granular authentication policies, make sure that adhering to zero trust principles, you authenticate and authorize every transaction within your environment. So that's, you know, knowing the user context, the device context that they're coming from, and then what entitlements might be required to access particular resources. So enterprise authentication is definitely one of the steps toward zero trust architecture. This is not the first version, the first iteration of this report. And we have 2021 users expect that um, authentication is smooth and has a good user experience and is secure. Uh, what has happened in the meantime? It's two years or so since you uh, had the former version out, right? So what, what has happened? Yeah, the previous version, we split into two different leadership campuses that were really based on deployment model, whether there were options for on-premise deployment versus cloud. Again, you know, probably as a result of the pandemic, more and more organizations are accelerating their move to the cloud. So I decided to combine these into simply enterprise authentication solutions. So in cases where they do offer on-premise options, I note that in chapter five, but generally we're just comparing Uh, features within the solutions themselves, regardless of what the deployment model is, whether it's cloud first, cloud native, or on-premise. And if there are cases where there is not feature parity between on-premise versions in the cloud, I call that out on the chapter five entries. Right. Um, and so when it comes to, to, to standards, when it comes to technical observations, um, what is most striking or what has changed mo most dramatically? I assume um, standards are an important part when this is an augmentation to existing IAM structures, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, there, there, IAM has a lot of good standards. Unfortunately, most of them don't overlap too much. The one that I've been really watching closely for the last few years uh, is FIDO, Fast Identity Online. And it's, it really helps enable two-factor, uh, multi-factor authentication, including a pretty wide variety of authenticators, including biometrics and, and things like that that can increase usability. Uh, support for FIDO seems to be increasing. Uh, and, you know, FIDO too, I think, has a lot of advantages for both companies that choose to use it as well as the, the users. But, you know, the number of companies who claim FIDO support is a little higher than the number of companies that actually have obtained certifications. FIDO has a nice certification process that by going through that, you know, a vendor can demonstrate that their authenticator or their, their server is actually FIDO compliant. Uh, I, I think it's, it's good to be able to demonstrate uh, compliance with those specifications. Then I would say that, you know, mobile push notifications, that's, you know, the swipe to accept kind of thing, as well as biometrics are more popular among users, end users these days. And, you know, with these modular enterprise authentication solutions, it's easy for enterprises to deploy them. Then, um, you know, another, another factor that I measured was which of these vendors provides SDKs for creating their own or embedding their own authentication services into customer mobile applications. I think, you know, that's, that's an important piece of the puzzle as well. Uh, companies, if they're going to write an app, want to be able to build in, you know, strong authentication where they can. 
uh, SDKs can be a way of picking up uh, device intelligence so that the authenticating organization can you know, review that at, at transaction time and make a much more fine-grained decision about whether or not to uh, permit the trans transaction to go through or maybe require additional information, the step-up authentication event, that sort of thing. So we're moving away also from these white-labeled applications um, or adding to that by providing the opportunity to, to create their own applications with the functionality just baked into that. Yeah, yeah, I think many companies need to be able to move rapidly in response to changing business conditions and having things like an SDK that enables them to change what is offered from an IAM or CIM perspective, you know, pretty quickly helps businesses compete more effectively these days as well. Right, and you've mentioned the, the risk engines, the telemetry that you have from the devices, more detailed, more device intelligence. Um, is this also something that you see in the authentication process itself? So this risk adaptive and continuous authentication, is this already there? Is this something that organizations can base their authentication processes on? Yes, there are really mature enterprise authentication solutions that have good implementation of risk-based and granular authentication policies, you know, that can pull up information from user history or from the device and make, you know, high quality uh, decisions at runtime. And I think both for workforce, you know, employee kinds of scenarios, that's important, you know, for reducing insider threat or, you know, especially in days where, Employees are increasingly remote. Uh, it's very helpful, but it's also helpful on the consumer side as well. And we've seen, again, as a result of COVID, uh, a pretty huge spike in fraud. So being able to present good authentication choices that increase security and are also more usable, I think, helps companies uh, that need to offer uh, authentication solutions to consumers. So that area of innovation has already arrived in the actual solutions. And I think we see a lot of innovation in the authentication market right now. What are you looking at when it comes to judging uh, vendors as part of such a leadership compass when it comes to innovation? Where is your focus? You know, I think looking at uh, the different methods, you know, the ones that are kind of leading edge on accepting multi-factor authentication or allowing customers, deploying organization customers, that is a choice to integrate whatever kinds of authenticators that come along. That's that's kind of a key flexibility area that uh, these vendors have right now, plus the granularity of the risk engine different sources of credential and device intelligence that may be consumed and processed natively by the authentication solution. You know, there are lots of different like credential and device intelligence feeds out there, but I think a lot of end user companies don't necessarily want to spend lots of money on subscription costs and then lots of time to you know, effectively write the policies. If you can use an authentication solution that bundles those intelligence sources and makes good risk decisions, you know, that's a, definitely a benefit for consumer-facing organizations too. So we're looking at something like um, enterprise authentication as a service with all this already bundled into an overall yeah, service delivery package that you just can subscribe to? Yeah. 
Yeah, there are a number of different licensing options. Generally, the most popular seem to be around like monthly active users. So, um, you know, it, let's say as a as an enterprise with a workforce, uh, that's essentially analogous to your registered user number. You're not paying for hardware or equipment specifically uh, to instantiate the service. But like on the consumer side, the monthly active users is useful because they're maybe certain kinds of services where people come to quarterly uh, or even annually. So uh, you're only paying for those services when people are using them. And, and I think that's definitely advantageous for certain types of consumer facing organizations. Perfect. So organizations that are looking into uh, improving, upgrading, augmenting their authentication processes should definitely have a look at your leadership compass. Maybe as a final question, anything that surprised you in the market development that was, was new or that was yeah, striking in the evolution of the market? Well, there are there are a number of large vendors out there, and they've been there for a while. But there, this is a market where it's possible for startups to get a good foothold and and you know really focus on a specific subset of capabilities that meet either a niche in the market or you know regional requirements, regional uh, regulatory requirements. So we see a number of vendors in this year's report that wasn't in the previous report. And, you know, I, I kind of expect that to continue. There's still room for innovation and room for entries into the overall market here. Great. Thank you very much, John, for giving us that insight into enterprise authentication and what is going on there. The Leadership Compass is online at our site, kupingercole.com. I will definitely have a look at it because we are using this concept, of course, also as part of our identity fabric to um, augment, to um, add additional services to existing IAM infrastructures. And that is where you really get um, these solutions well integrated into an overall architecture. Thanks again, John, for being my guest today. Uh, looking forward to having you soon in another episode of this podcast. Well, thank you. Look forward to uh, next time we can chat. Absolutely. Thank you and bye-bye. Bye. -bye. bye.